0: Spiritual Sword Media presents The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. And now, Mike Hickson. We're going to be looking today at Romans chapter 1. The theme of our study today, A Guilty Verdict. Many times when we look at the book of Romans, we begin by talking about how in chapter 1, Paul states that the Gentile world, they're guilty. They're guilty of sin. And then we turn our attention to chapter 2, and we say the Jewish people, that they too are guilty, that they're under sin. And thus in chapter 3, The conclusion, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, chapter 3, verse 23. I believe that you could make the case that when you look at chapter 1, that the Apostle Paul has in mind both Jews and Gentiles. Because when you begin to look at some of the problems that existed among the people, that Paul represents here, you see that sin is a problem to all people, whether Jew or Gentile. And the traits and the characteristics that are manifested in the lives of these people are certainly reflected in our contemporary society. So I want us to think for a moment or two about the theme, A Guilty Verdict. Just recently, we have read in the news of a couple of very high-profiled court cases in which individuals have heard the verdict read guilty. Well, in Romans chapter 1, we have before us a verdict being read by the Apostle Paul on behalf of God. And the verdict that is being read is simply this, guilty as charged. And so look, if you would, at chapter 1. The first thing that I call your attention to is the fact that these people had been corrupted by sin. When we talk about their corruption as a result of sin, the first thing that you need to understand is that they were living in denial. They basically denied the evidences for God. That's hard to imagine people who would deny evidence for Almighty God. And Paul is going to say that there are two primary ways that we can know that there is a God. The first has to do with creation. Creation is indicative of an Almighty Creator. Design demands a designer. And so look at what he says in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world... His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. Paul here brings to mind the fact that God is our Almighty Creator. Here were individuals that had been made in the image and the likeness of God and yet they repudiated the idea of a creator. Now there are a lot of people today that will tell you that the world in which we live is the product of chance or evolution or that we are the result of some type of cataclysmic explosion. the Bible says... The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth His handiwork. When you and I step outside the walls of this church building and begin to examine the evidence before our eyes, we should come to the conclusion that there is a God. That it is God that has made the world. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 11 said, By faith we understand that the world was framed by the Word of God. So that the things which were made were not thing things, they were made by things which were not seen. In other words, God made something from nothing. God is the one who spoke the world into existence. Remember what Genesis says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens, and the earth? Was it not God who said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness? No wonder the Hebrew writer said, Every house is built by some man. But he that built all things is God, in Hebrews chapter 3, at verse 4. And so one of the ways that we can know there is a God is by creation. A second way is by revelation. We cannot know the mind of God, nor can we understand the will of God without revelation. Now, God has revealed Himself unto man down through the ages. You can go all the way back to Adam, and you'll find that God revealed Himself to the patriarchs, to those who lived under the Mosaic dispensation, and those of us who live under the Christian dispensation. Today, He has revealed Himself. Through his holy word. These individuals, however, had repudiated whatever revelation of God they had received. And so, look, if you would, at verse 21. Paul said, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. And then drop down, if you would. In verse 28, he says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. And then verse 32, who knowing the righteous judgment of God. Here were people that had access or had some form of revelation from God. We talk about the Gentiles many times. We look at Romans chapter 1 and we say that Paul here is talking about the Gentile world. The Jews had been given as a light to the Gentiles according to Isaiah chapter 49 at verse 6. You remember Rahab the harlot when the spies came to survey the city of Jericho? And in Joshua chapter 2 she said to the two spies that came to her city, we have heard how God dried up the water of the Red Sea and what He did to the two kings on the other side of the the Jordan. And so here was a woman that had heard about Almighty God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. the people to whom Paul was writing, they were saints living in Rome. And Paul here is saying that there are individuals who have lived upon this earth that have repudiated the very knowledge of God, the revelation of God. Can you imagine individuals spurning the Word of God? That was the case here. Now, they lived in denial regarding the evidences for God. As a result, they were deceived. And so they drew some faulty conclusions about God. Let's think about their era about God. First of all, their ignorance. Note, if you would, what Paul says in Romans 1, verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools. When men and women repudiate the evidence before them about an almighty Creator, they're going to live in ignorance. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God in Psalm 14, at verse 1. Now, as a result of repudiating the evidence about Almighty God. These people were living in error. Their ignorance is set forth, and then their idolatry. Note what is said in verse 23. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. And birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. If your perception of God as a creator is skewed, then don't be surprised to see any number of gods come into play in the minds of people. We live today in a pluralistic society. And there are people today that will say, it doesn't matter what God you serve. I remember having a conversation with an with a gentleman many years ago. And he basically took that position that you could have your own God. Well, the people here, they had spurned the idea of an all-wise, almighty creator, and so they had invented for themselves their own gods. Now, we've talked about these people who were corrupted by sin, but now I want you to think with me for a moment about how they became calloused by sin. They became calloused by sin and their deeds are set forth by Paul in verse 24 and following. The first thing that I call your attention to, these people became insensitive. Did you know that if you spurn God long enough and if you have a faulty conclusion about Almighty God, you're going to develop a hard heart. The Hebrew writer warns against being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin in Hebrews chapter 3 at verse 13. And so, listen to what the Bible says concerning the people that Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 1. In verse 24, Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness. Drop down if you would and note verse 28. And even as as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. There are people in our world today because their perception of God has been skewed. They are insensitive to what you and I would call right and wrong, good and evil, truth and error. Isaiah warns people in Isaiah chapter 5 at verse 20. He said, Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. There are people today that cannot disseminate between right and wrong, good and evil, truth and error. So what does God do? He'll give you up. He'll turn you over to that way of life. Do you remember during the days of Jeremiah? Jeremiah began prophesying on the eve of Babylonian captivity. And Jeremiah asked a question in chapter 6 at verse 15. Were they ashamed when they committed these abominations? His answer was this. No, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. These people had become insensitive because of sin. You can live in sin. You can engage in a life of sin for a period of time. And ultimately what's going to happen is your heart is going to grow hard and calloused. You're not going to be moved by the gospel of Christ. You're not going to be stirred to do something about your sinful way of life because your heart has become impenetrable. Paul warned in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He warned about individuals whose hearts would become so calloused that they wouldn't respond to the gospel. These people were insensitive. Not only were they insensitive, but they were indifferent. Drop down to verse 32 if you would. In verse 32 he said, "...who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. I think about individuals who are going to hell with their eyes wide open. They're just indifferent. They don't care. There are a lot of people in our world today, when you talk about spiritual things, and you talk about serving the Lord, and you talk about the Christ and the church, things that are... Worthy of our reverence and respect. They're just unmoved. They're not, they're not concerned about those things. They're indifferent. One of the dangers of turning a deaf ear to the Word of God is not just insensitivity, but also becoming indifferent. Calloused. To where we just don't care anymore. I think about people in our world today that they have gotten to a point in their lives where they just don't care. They're totally unmoved when you talk about spiritual things. That was the dilemma of these people. Now, not only were they insensitive and indifferent, but they were immoral. Look at verse 24. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. There again is this idea of idolatry, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. What's Paul talking about here? He's talking about people who have sunken to a depraved state. Their immorality has reached a point and time where they are now living in homosexuality. When people are skewed in their perception of Almighty God, do not be surprised when they begin engaging in debased and vile sins of the flesh. Now there are a lot of people in our world today, they have the idea that homosexuality is now an accepted way of life. And there are people that will tell you that we should not judge those who choose to live a life of homosexuality. Not long ago, I read an excerpt where Oprah Winfrey said, with regard to homosexuality, my God would not condemn those in homosexuality. And I do not want to misrepresent what Miss Winfrey has said. Well, if you're talking about your God and you're saying your God doesn't condemn homosexuality, well, then you're correct. Because you see, if you fashion a God after what you want in your own heart, in other words, if you are the one who devises a God after your own will and your own wishes, then that's true. Your God does not condemn homosexuality. But now, if you want to talk about the God of the Bible, well, we're talking about something different now. There is a difference when you talk about a God that has been devised in the hearts and minds of men and women and the God of the Bible. Now, if we're going to talk about the God of the Bible, the God of the Bible says homosexuality is wrong. It's sinful. That's what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, at verse 9, Paul said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, now listen to him, nor homosexuals. That's what the Bible says. What the Bible says trumps what everyone else says in our world. Because the Bible is the final voice of authority. This is the standard. Now, you may choose to abandon the Word of God, and God will give you up. He'll turn you over to a debased way of life. He'll give you up. These people had reached that point in time in their spiritual lives. In essence, they had become spiritually bankrupt. And so, Paul talks about that. And you know when we talk about homosexuality, sometimes people ask the question, why is it so wrong? Think about this. Homosexuality is a repudiation of of the wisdom of God. It was God who said, in Genesis chapter 2, it's not good for man to be alone. When God made that statement, whom did He make for the man? Did He make another man? No, the Bible says that God caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam, and while in that deepened sleep, He extracted a rib and made a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called a woman because she was taken from a man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That's what the Bible says. Those who have chosen to live a life of homosexuality have repudiated the wisdom of God in terms of creation, in terms of the creation of the woman to meet the needs of the man. So we talk about their immorality. Continue on with me if you would. In verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, Disobedient to parents. If I didn't know better, I would would think that I was reading Time magazine or the Commercial Appeal or the New York Times. The relevance of the Word of God. Here were people whose lives were steeped in sin. People haven't really changed. Sin hasn't changed. It may be packaged a little bit differently, but it hasn't changed. Here were people who were living in immorality. Now also note, if you would, in verse 30, Paul said that these people were also innovative. They were insensitive, they were indifferent, they were immoral, and they were innovative. He said they were inventors of evil things. It's amazing to me some of the things that people in our world can come up with, some of the most debased and ungodly things that you and I could ever imagine have made their way into modern America. The Bible says in the book of Jude, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. There are some people that are innovative in the material and secular realm. But there are also individuals who are innovative in the spiritual realm. Jude chided the people of his day who had gone in the way of Cain. What had Cain done? He had altered or circumvented the kind of sacrifice that God had asked for. And thus, he was a a modern-day innovator. What about Jeroboam in 1 Kings chapter 12? you remember what Jeroboam did? He set up two golden calves, one in Dan, the other in Bethel. Here were individuals that were innovative. Many times we think about those who are inventors of evil things in the secular world, but also we need to understand that people could become innovative in the spiritual realm, they can begin to offer God the kind of worship that's not acceptable in his eyes. So Paul here warns of these people. Thirdly, their condemnation in sin. This has to do with their death, spiritually speaking. Note what Paul said, In verse 32, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death. Let me tell you, sin is a dead-end road. What are the facts about sin? The facts are, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3, 9 and 10, verse 23. Sin is simply the transgression of the law, 1 John 3, at verse 4. That is the facts. Those are the facts. But what about the fate of those in sin? Here's what Paul said, the wages of sin is death. You can live in sin, and you can choose to enjoy the pleasures of sin, but ultimately it is a dead end road. Those who choose to live in sin will ultimately be condemned. And then fourthly and finally, I want you to note with me, if you would, the cure for sin. This has to do with deliverance. Note what is said in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. We think about the power of the gospel. Why do you think Paul preached the gospel? Why do you think Paul was so intent on preaching the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ? Because he understood that this message and this message alone had the power to change the hearts and lives of people. Recited a moment ago, the people in Corinth. In Acts chapter 18 verse 8, the Bible says, Many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and what? And were baptized. As a result of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they came out of a life of sin. When, ta- when Paul talked about the unrighteous not inheriting the kingdom of God, he said, And such were some of you. What happened? They had changed. They repented. They were baptized into Christ. They enjoyed justification. And so he said, You are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The power of the gospel and then also pardon is available through the gospel. Listen to Paul. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the righteousness of God, or rather for in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer to sin. Individuals who respond to the gospel of Christ in faith and penitence, they enjoy pardon, cleansing, redemption, reconciliation. I'm thankful for Paul. I'm grateful for his desire to preach and teach the gospel of Christ. Paul said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves as your servants for his sake. The answer to the moral ills of our country, our world, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we have to preach and teach the word. Because in preaching and teaching the word, Individuals will respond in faith. When Paul wrote Romans chapter 1, you and I, we might say that these people were living in the depths of depravity, sin had taken hold of their lives. It may be the case that you're here today and you're living in sin. What we want you to understand is that the gospel can make you right with God. You can be justified by obeying the gospel of Christ. Thank you for listening to The Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love